first three words that come to my head when I think about Ruben and everyone there. And they're a great, great crew. RB Technologies cares about their customers. Call them at 223-4448 or online at rbtechvt.com. RB Technologies, efficiency through technology. The Home Depot has a winner for Mother's Day with beautiful 8-inch decorative radiance planters of annuals for just $9.88. You save over 5 bucks. So let's give Mom the credit and the flowers she deserves with a colorful pot of annuals she can enjoy all season long. Let's do this with beautiful 8-inch radiance planters just $9.88 and just in time for Mother's Day at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. While supplies last, selection may vary by store, U.S. only. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Connie. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. It's Friday. We're broadcasting live at the State House in Montpelier. What a gorgeous day. Thanks for spending part of it with us. Coming up on the program in our second hour this morning, Governor Shumlin will be joining us at about 1010. Senator Joe Benning, who is the Senate Minority Leader, the uh, Republican from Caledonia County, who will be joining us coming up in hour number two, right after the governor. Later this hour, we'll uh, catch up with the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Philip Baruth, joins us, and we will take your phone calls throughout the program. You can reach us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. Toll-free, 877-291-8255. I would describe where we are right now in the uh, process here. If it were sports, we would have already concluded the regular season. I think we are now pretty much in the playoffs and a lot of uh, speculation how much longer the session will last. And uh, the speaker is going to tell us that he hopes it wraps up in about a week here. So we begin. Let's give a nice firm radio for my welcome this morning to Speaker of the House, Shap Smith. Fair analogy? I think it is a fair analogy, and my uh, hope is, as you stated, to be out of here either next Friday or Saturday. Um, the budget bill is in conference. Uh, many of the other big bills are coming over from the Senate today, and uh, I think that we can uh, move out of here by uh, next Friday or Saturday. The budget isn't, you're not that far off, the, the House and Senate really aren't that different. No, the budget and the tax bill are pretty clearly um, resolvable between the House and the Senate. Um, there are some distinctions. Uh, we'll have to work through those. But I think that as opposed to in years past, uh, we're close enough so that we could uh, move it to resolution pretty quickly. Fair to say you're closer on the budget than the tax bill? I think that's probably true. Uh, you know, the chairs of the Ways and Means Committee and the Finance Committee work well together. I think they understand uh, where the challenges are, um, and they've always been able to reach compromise in the past, and I don't expect that to happen again. Tell our listeners, how would you describe the difference on the budget side between the House and the Senate? I think the Senate uh, spent a little bit more money uh, in the House. Uh, they. Uh, made some changes around the Windsor Prison. Uh, they made some changes around uh, some of the PSAPs. Uh, and there were a couple other places where there were changes, but they aren't really that significant. There's also some uh, change in the language, and um, that stuff is uh, stuff that we can work through. Let's talk on the tax side. There, there are some pretty significant differences there. Where do you think there's going to be the tension, the problem areas? Well, I think the tension is uh, pretty clear. Um, the 
the House decided to raise most of the uh, money for the general fund by capping itemized deductions. Uh, the Senate went at specific deductions and uh, also used some money from the uh, soda tax. And so those are the areas of uh, disagreement. So uh, are any of those going to, I mean, the soda tax, is that going to be a big issue? Where, is, are any of these going to be, you know, showstoppers? Uh, you know, I'm sure that there will be moments where uh, it looks like they're showstoppers. I think that there's a path. Uh, to getting to resolution. Uh, we haven't really figured that out fully yet, but uh, having been in this process a couple of times before, mm -hmm. uh, I know that uh, the solutions sort of show themselves uh, right about three days before we leave. Yeah, I mean, we're sort of at this point right now where there's a little bit of bluster, a little bit of grandstanding going on, fair to say. I mean, people are kind of in. I mean, well, okay. <laughs> Bluster, grandstanding in a political environment. I can't believe that that could actually happen. Okay. Uh, and there's no um, there's no gambling at Rick's Casino either. There's no gambling at Rick's Casino either. Uh, so let's talk about a few of the other items um, that, that may or may not come to pass here. Uh, the dispute on the Lake Bill, not whether or not it's needed, but on the funding. Uh, tell me your thoughts on this. You know, I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, one of the things that the House did uh, was try to figure out how we didn't have to set up a new mechanism for, uh, you know, the funding for the Lake Bill. And uh, the Senate's put in place uh, a per parcel fee that needs sort of a new um, mechanism to collect and enforce. And my view is that the proposal from the House sort of makes more sense. I look forward to hearing from the Senate why they think their proposal uh, makes more sense, but I, I'm more comfortable with where the House is right now. And the governor seems to be, too. Is that your impression? That was my impression. I don't want to speak for the governor. Um, he has uh, expressed some concerns about what's in the Senate bill uh, and uh, has uh, been generally okay uh, with uh, the House proposal, uh, but I I'd let him characterize what his view is. Do you have any doubt there will be a lake bill at the end of the session? Uh, my hope is that we'll have a lake bill at the end of the session. Um, the timing's a little tricky, but uh, I think that everybody understands the importance of moving that bill forward. So I would expect that when we leave either Friday or Saturday that we'll have something on the governor's desk. Can you, can you leave without a lake bill? Well, you can leave with everything except for a budget and a tax bill. Um, we do need the education bill because it has the education tax rate in it as well. But um, <laughs> we, uh, uh, I mean, we can leave without everything um, other than those three bills. But I think that it would be prudent for us to leave with a bill that allows us to set the terms around cleaning up the lake rather than the federal government. Talking to the Speaker of the House, Shaft Smith, you can join us at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. Let's talk about the education bill. As you mentioned, the House passed its version, had some um, uh, moving towards larger districts. Uh, is it fair to say, I mean, the Senate seems to be really whittling back on this. Fair to say? I think that that probably uh, oversimplifies it. I think that the um, Senate... Wait a minute. The press oversimplify? Yeah. That would be like, um, you know, bluster going on here in the building. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so uh, perhaps I used the wrong word. I, I certainly did not mean that as an insult, Mark. Um, Nor did I. Yeah. Right. In the bluster. Thing. So the um, I think what's 
what's happened is the Senate has said, you know, we'll give you a little bit more time um, to create these districts. Uh, we don't think they need to be as big as the House said uh, that they needed to be. Um, but in the end, we do think that there need to be larger uh, school districts. And so I think that the general framework in the Senate is similar to the one in the House around that issue. Um, there are some details that are different. With regard to the cost containment, though, I think there is a real issue there. As you know, uh, the House passed a uh, cap on spending, uh, and there really aren't any cost control measures in the Senate bill to speak of, and I think that's going to be the area of real dispute in the bill. Do you think even if you pass the House version, that if everybody agreed to the House version, is it really significant? Is it really what the message was that taxpayers were giving you in November? Well, I think that it, it provides uh, some guidance to local communities around what the parameters for spending are going to be, the House bill. Um, is it as much as some of us would like? Probably not. Um, but, you know, we got a lot of feedback from local communities um, that they uh, didn't want us to do much cost control at all. So um, I think that the, the balance was struck. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, people like school boards and, um, uh, and, and others were really concerned about the mechanisms that we were using for cost control. 244-1777, our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. Um, yesterday, big news here in the building, a state senator arrested on uh, charges, some uh, sex charges, also allegations of human trafficking, Senator Norm McAllister. Any, what was your reaction to this happening yesterday? Well, it was di really difficult news to hear, and if the allegations are true, they're serious and very troubling. You know, Norm and I came in together, uh, Senator McAllister, um, and although we've always had very different views about um, our, our politics have been very different, um, we had uh, a, a good working relationship. Um, so it's always really sad and troubling when you hear news like this. Um, you know, obviously innocent uh, until proven guilty, but the the allegations are really serious. And um, you know, I, I actually it, it was just I felt very sad. Mm -hmm. it, it was it, it was it was really depressing. Uh, there's an issue that came up this week um, repeatedly on my program. We had some folks on talking about what's going on with the Department of Labor and audits when it comes to independent contractors versus employees. Yeah. And there was discussion about there might be a resolution to this working its way through the legislature. Where do things stand on this, Mr. Speaker? We had um, worked towards a resolution of this issue um, two or three years ago. and. Um, we thought that we had a grand bargain on this, and unfortunately, some of the parties that were involved pulled out at the last minute. Um, and uh, this issue is something that I have talked to the chair and the vice chair of the Commerce and Economic Development um, Committee about. Uh, we understand the challenges there. I think it's really important to understand that uh, there are a lot of people who are, you know, honest brokers um, who. Uh, are being tagged for using independent contractors uh, where they really shouldn't be and taxed um, in a way that they shouldn't be for unemployment and also for workers compensation purposes however there is a real problem out there with regard to people using 
um, individuals as independent contractors where they should be properly treated as employees to avoid unemployment and workers compensation and the challenge for us is to uh, thread that needle to, to recognize the honest actors out there um, and not penalize them but to not allow people to game the system um, and take advantage of basically people who should be employees are you hearing this are you hearing about this from your constituents i hear some from my constituents about it um you know it is uh it's a particularly uh tough issue in the uh trades in the uh, construction industry uh i and i have you know family members and friends who are in that um industry uh and i've gotten some feedback on that um much of the feedback has come from people in Chittenden County. Mm -hmm. So, do you see you you seem to acknowledge that there may they may be too aggressive, but that there are also cheaters on the other side? There are, yeah, there just are. There, I mean, there are people who are uh, abusing the system, and we don't we didn't pass the law just because we wanted to pass the law with regard to independent contractors. Um, you know, the the ABC test, which is the right. test that determines whether somebody's an independent contractor or an employee um, you know that's out there for a reason it's to make sure that uh, you know people don't just treat every employee that they have as an independent contractor so um, you know we uh, want to get to the bottom of the issue uh, we have worked really hard in the past to get there I'm really disappointed uh, in the fact that uh, when three years ago we had a deal in place that was scuttled. So you don't see a resolution of that coming up in the next eight days? I do not. Okay. Two four four seventeen. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that. No, I, I understand. I just didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to, to add to that, and I never want to prevent that um, opportunity. Uh, let's talk about uh, a lot of discussion this week about the philosophical exemption to vaccinations. The um, uh, the governor claims he has not changed his position, but he seems to be receptive to uh, signing a bill if it comes to pass. What's going to happen with this? Well, there's a public hearing on Monday. There's a public hearing on Monday. Um, it's uh, very possible that it could come to uh, a vote on Tuesday um, in the House. And uh, it, it's not a caucus issue. I don't think it's a caucus issue on either side. Uh, you know, it, it looks to me that there is um, significant support uh, to remove the philosophical exemption. I think there's some room around that uh, to... Uh, you know, maybe give people time to address that. Um, I don't know when the uh, implementation date will be for it, whether there needs to be any transition plan for um, schools. Uh, there are a number of sort of internal issues that we've got to deal with, but <clears throat> it would not surprise me to see that come to the floor next week. Wow, that was not something you were really pushing in January. No, no, it was not a priority of the House, but it is uh, here. Um, and whether we deal with it... Uh, uh, this year or next year, it's going to be in front of the House. And so, um, you know, we're trying to make sure that people feel heard on the issue um, and uh, give it its due and um, and move it forward. Mm -hmm. So you do you feel as though um, uh, so this could be voted on on Tuesday? Okay. All right. So that's that's clear. Uh, last issue I want to ask you about was uh, paid sick leave. Mm -hmm. Is um, I guess bottom line is this going to come to pass? What it seems as though there might be. I'm hearing there might be talk that it might be attached to something else 
in the Senate. I don't know what, what, is, what are you hearing. Uh, I, I have not heard that. Um, I had understood that uh, the bill would go to the Rules Committee when it uh, came over from the House to the Senate, which is where I think it is now. Um, and uh, my understanding was that there would be an attempt to uh, move it in the Senate, but it was more likely to happen next year. Okay. You were concerned a week or so ago about just sort of the pace of things coming back from the Senate. Has it improved? Is it the same? Worse? Well, they worked really hard yesterday, um, and they're going to be on the floor uh, for a long time uh, today. And uh, I, I feel comfortable that the work is uh, moving quickly enough so that uh, we can get out of here at the end of next week. You know, uh, it, it's always a challenge around this time. Um, a lot of bills end up uh, in the Finance Committee. Um, and the Appropriations Committee, it's hard to move them out because there's so uh, so much that those committees have to deal with. Um, I think the Senate's been doing a good job, and um, you know I look forward to uh, getting out of here next uh, week. Okay, so next, so Tuesday, you've got your big. We're going to meet on Monday. Okay, so you're meeting Monday, and then so what? Are, what are you looking at on say Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Uh, I think most of the big conference committees will probably close Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We have uh, uh, probably a debate on the uh, vaccinations on Tuesday. Um, it's possible that same-day voter registration will come out uh, and be up on the floor next week as well. So um, my sense is that we'll have plenty to do next week. Thanks for your time, as always. It's great to be here. Speaker of the House, Shaft Smith, joining us here live at the State House this morning. And uh, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get him back on the program next week, too. I guarantee on that. All right. Uh, coming up shortly here, we'll talk with uh, Senator Philip Baruth. He's the Senate Majority Leader. We'll uh, switch to the other chamber here and find out where things stand. A um, couple of interesting items coming out of the Speaker there, though. It certainly looks as though the uh, the philosophical exemption removal which uh, really at the beginning of the session didn't look like a lot of people had a lot of appetite for it. Certainly you could say that the outbreak in California kind of changed the equation here, but certainly taking on a life of its own, I would think even two weeks ago nobody would have thought this was going to come to pass, but just proving how things sometimes work here. A moment of your time for our uh, friends in uh, the beautiful Lake Champlain Islands. I hope I don't have to tell you it's Mother's Day on Sunday, right? If you're looking for a fabulous place to go and take mom out, maybe for brunch, you know, uh, you could serve it at home or you could bring her on up to the beautiful Lake Champlain Islands and have Chef Dan do all the heavy lifting for you. Maybe make some of those delicious crab cakes that he does and have a nice brunch. Also, you could have dinner there, too. They're going to be serving all day long. So please uh, stop on up and make reservations. Always good to do that on Mother's Day. And you can uh, reach the folks at Shore Acres Inn and Restaurant by calling them at 372-8722. That's 372-8722, Shore Acres Inn and Restaurant in beautiful North Hero, Vermont. It is just a short drive. It's well worth the drive, but it is another world away. You might want to uh, keep in mind, too, if you want to make reservations for some of those busy months in the summer, those busy weeks, and you want to take a few days off and not you know, travel halfway around the world, you can really have a great experience right here in your backyard here in Vermont. And again, you can make those reservations by calling them at 372-8722 and online at shoreacres.com. That issue of the uh, disability uh, or the, uh, uh, the question about uh, Unemployment insurance and disability workers' comp. Uh, we'll talk about that more. Annie Noonan, the Labor Commissioner, joins us coming up on the program on Monday. 
We'll take a short break. We'll be back after these important announcements. Get ready for the Vermont Chamber Business and Industry Expo, featuring a redesigned event format. Join us for one full business day of networking and seminars on Thursday, May 21st at the Sheraton Burlington. As the region's largest B2B trade show, Expo is the perfect platform to network with over 3,000 business attendees and exhibitors. Visit an expert in the new digital marketing hub, sponsored by Dealer.com, and make sure to register early for tickets to the Senator Leahy Business Breakfast and TD Bank Innovation Institute. Visit VTExpo.com to register today. At the Honda Dream Garage sales event, we've got great deals on almost everything we make. Are you the sporty type into neatly manicured lawns? How about the snazzy Civic with rear-view camera standard? And this handy lawnmower? Eat this, dandelions! All-terrain on the brain? Road trip in a stylish Accord on Saturday and off-road in a Honda side-by-side. And for you amphibious types, conquer both land and sea in a new pilot and a fancy four-stroke marine engine for your aquatic vessel. Yar! Whatever you're into, the Honda Dream Garage sales event has got great deals for just about everything. Now go! You've got a garage to fill. And we've got more innovations to unleash. During the Dream Garage sales event, get 0.9% APR financing for well-qualified buyers on a 2015 Civic Accord and Pilot. Visit your local North Country Honda dealer or online at NorthCountryHondaDealers.com. See your local dealer for financing details. Vermont Tire and Service is hosting their second annual Cooper Customer Appreciation Day this Saturday. Stop by and enjoy free hot dogs. Sign up to win over $1,000 in prizes. Get great savings on all Cooper tires, some much less than wholesale. Get a free $50 gas card when you buy four qualifying Cooper tires. Buy four Cooper tires and get tire mounting, flat repair, and tire rotation all for free. Sale ends Saturday at Vermont Tire and Service, River Street, Montpelier. Your Cooper tire store where your dollar buys more. Family owned and operated for over 30 years. Are you a flavor junkie? Do you have discerning taste or just really opinionated taste buds? Well, if so, and you're 18 or older, the Curie Green Mountain Sensory Test Center wants to hear from you. Join us at our facility in Waterbury Center for ongoing tasting sessions and be the first to experience innovative foods, beverages, and other products before you see them in the grocery aisle. Tasting sessions happen every week and only take 30 to 45 minutes. Each time you visit, you'll receive rewards such as Amazon gift cards and Keurig.com discounts, plus incentives to shop and eat locally while you're in town. Who doesn't want the opportunity to have fun and get rewarded at the same time? All you have to do is tell us what you think. There's no experience necessary to participate. You just need to be 18 or older and love trying new things. Become a Keurig Green Mountain taste tester today and let your voice be heard. Give us a call at 882-2500 and don't forget to tell your friends. Champlain Valley Equipment East Randolph invites you to Customer Appreciation Day today from 10 to 3. You'll find discounted parts and toys, cash and carry. Visit with manufacturers' representatives from Bobcat, Coon, and Polaris. See product demos and the rental corral. Visit with Sheriff Bill and VASA members. There'll be door prizes and lunch during the Champlain Valley Equipment Open House at their East Randolph location, formerly L.W. Greenwoods, today from 10 to 3. See them online at ChamplainValleyEquipment.com. Back at the state, I see Montpelier Senator Philip Ruth will join us coming up shortly. 
Uh, as I mentioned, the Labor Commissioner, Annie Noonan, just just walked by literally as we were promoting that she will be on the program coming up on Monday. Uh, interesting to hear the uh, what the speaker had to say about this, that as um, you know, we heard this week and discussing this issue on the program, it's not as though it just came up last week. I mean, this has been really on the table here and under discussion. And uh, according to the speaker, as you heard him mention, there was apparently a deal in the works which uh, just kind of blew up. So, uh, it, uh, you know, unfortunately, I know there were some people that were hopeful that there would be a resolution to this coming up uh, in the next few days here that the Commerce Committee had been looking at it, but as you heard the Speaker mention, that that is uh, not going to come to pass. So um, we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on it, and we'll, get, we'll find out what the story is with the uh, Labor Commissioner on this coming up on the program on Monday. A moment of your time for our friends at Green Mountain Access. Give them a call today for any and all Internet-related uh, services, and you can reach them toll-free at one 888 that's one triple eight three two one zero eight one five. They're also on the web. That would be at gmavt.net. They are a division of Waitsfield and Champlain Valley Telecom. And so if you happen to have the good fortune of being in their service area, we encourage you when you speak with them about your Internet service to combine that with your cable and telephone into one handy-dandy affordable package. And again, you can reach them toll-free at one triple eight three two one zero eight one five and on the web at gmavt.net. Coming up next hour, we'll begin the hour. We'll talk with our White House crew. We'll uh, also be joined this morning. Governor Shumlin joins us, and we'll also talk with the uh, Senate Minority Leader, Joe Benning, as well, too. Uh, let's give a nice warm radio Vermont. Welcome. Joining us right now is the Senate Majority Leader, Chittenden County Senator Philip Baruth. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mark. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Slow time over in the Senate these days. Yeah, there's not a lot going on. This was quite a week, wasn't it? What would you say was the biggest, the big highlight of the week? What was important uh, for people to well, know? For me, the big highlight was yesterday. The uh, education bill got a surprisingly strong vote, 27 to 3. And uh, if people haven't been following that, it's a school district consolidation bill, not, and I would stress capital N, capital O, capital T, not a school consolidation bill. So the, the bill is designed to try to keep sc small schools functioning in slightly larger districts that will allow them to share and manage resources better and hopefully bend the curve on property taxes. How's it going to bend the curve on property taxes? Well, so Chittenden East, for instance, a supervisory union that had uh, six or seven communities, they decided they wanted to form a, a regional education district, a single district with one board. And it was contentious because Huntington, one community, right. didn't want to do that. And so they had a vote. It lost because of Huntington. And so the legislature came back and we created a way for a community like that where you had six that wanted to join together and share resources, create a single board. They could do that without the, 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 the outlier. And they did that in November, very successful vote. Since November, they've saved $311,000 just in moving things around and more rationally sharing among their schools and communities. Now, before they did the, uh, the merger, there were two schools that were looking at closing. And they were, you know, well down the road toward planning for tuitioning their students. Then after that merger, both schools are in operation because they've 
they've altered their mission, but the buildings are functioning as schools. And if you look at a place like Concord in the Northeast Kingdom, they closed just recently and they're now tuitioning all their kids to the academy. What that means is they've got an empty building. We'd rather have uh, schools think ahead, work with their neighbors, figure out ways to keep their schools operating and anchoring their communities rather than cannibalizing their educational offerings and then finally having to shut their doors. Mm -hmm. All right, so hmm, that's a that's a that's a bottom-up approach. I mean, that's sort of where you're trying to go here. Exactly. So the idea is you want to mm -hmm. preserve local control to the extent possible. So we're not telling anybody how they have to form uh, a pre-K through 12 district. Okay. W what we're saying is there's a process in place with this bill and with the House bill. And the idea is over the next four or five years, communities are going to be moving toward creating these larger governance units. And some of them will be able to move quickly, some a little less quickly. At the very back end of this process, if you have communities with small schools that are not providing enough offerings for their kids and not being financially efficient, then there's a process to create a map where their governance units are designed basically for them. But even then, there's a check in that, that that plan that the Secretary of Education and the State Board design has to come back to the legislature for approval. 244-1777 is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. Is this the idea that happened in Chittenden East? I mean, is that applicable to the kingdom? Is it applicable yes. to... You know, Addison County, I mean, is this a model that can be plug and pulled, pulled and plugged in anywhere? Uh, anywhere, no. And, and what the bill says is there may well be places in the state where you're not going to be able to have a pre-K through 12 district with 900 kids. If you can't, then you don't have to form one. You can form one with 400 kids. Or if, in the event that you can't form a pre-K district at all, you can have a supervisory union. But those are going to be uh, exceptions rather than the rule. So in Vermont right now, we have 13 different governance models. And if you're a kid moving from kindergarten to, to graduation, you might move through four different governance models with four different school boards. Mm -hmm. And what that means is a lot of gaps, a lot of craziness where you're not able to, in a in a really careful way, you're not able to manage that kid's experience and maximize it. So I was on a school board in Burlington. Burlington is a, is a single district. And so while I was on there for four years, we were implementing policies across the district, which with multiple schools, uh, you know, the high school and then several middle schools and then a lot of elementary schools. And that consistency in the leadership and the planning and in the financial efficiency, it really, really works. And so what we're trying to do is move people toward that model. It's the preferred structure, as the bill says. If they can't get there, you know, guys in black boots aren't going to come in and, uh, and make them do it if it can't be done. On the other hand, if it clearly can be done and people are just uh, avoiding it out of inertia, 
then the bill is a little firmer in that regard. Mm -hmm. There's always the white boots of Nancy Sinatra. I, yeah, another I'm, option. I'm fine with so either one. <laughs> there are, you know, there's some people, and even the I wouldn't say the speaker characterizes too strongly, but you know, that it seems as though the Senate's kind of whittling back a little bit on the on the House version of this bill. Not as much cost control involved. Is yep. that fair to say? And and if so, why? Uh, well, if you remember the and and. Speaker Smith, I have a great deal of respect for, and he was he was very smart in that he created a hybrid uh, panel. So the Senate, I'm sorry, the House Education Committee is a hybrid of their Finance Committee and their Education Committee, and he gave them jurisdiction over both. And so what they produced was a bill that had both pieces. Now, when it comes to the Senate, we still have two committees of jurisdiction: Finance and Education. So when we got the House bill, we can't. In the Senate Education Committee, we can't do the funding formula. We can't do the property tax rate. That's not our jurisdiction. So we did a strike all, and we went back and did all the pieces that we could do, governance, policy, etc., and we left to our Finance Committee the decisions about what they wanted to do in terms of cost control. What I will say is you wind up in a conference committee, as you know, and in that conference committee, all those cost control pieces will be on the table. Mm -hmm. So... It's fair to say that uh, when you have, whether you call it a weak bill or, or, or a strong bill or you use two other adjectives, you wind up in the middle. Okay. So there's, but why didn't the House, why didn't the Senate just go along with what the House did? Well, again, you'd have to ask the committee of jurisdiction there, and that would be the Finance Committee. Um, I think the cap that the House passed was generally viewed in the Senate as problematic if not unconstitutional so to take just the instance of teachers and the number of jobs that the that the cap might affect you were talking about hundreds of jobs uh, that might well be on the chopping block at the same time that we were talking about hundreds of state worker jobs it was a lot of layoffs to be considering so I think in that way the cap was viewed as an extremely blunt meat cleaver and people were looking for a more surgical approach. I would imagine when we come out of conference, uh, there is a little bit more of that surgical approach. Where do you see the conflicts being in the budget and the tax bill? May, and, and how would you characterize them? Well, minor or major, I guess, would be. I, I don't think that the House and the Senate actually are that far apart, especially on the budget. On the, on the tax bill, as you know, we put forward a... Uh, two and a half percent tax on satellite TV and the thinking there is that people who are watching cable at home they're already paying a tax on their cable and the so franchise fee yeah. yes and so the idea is and and this is very similar to the e-cigarette tax if people are buying cigarettes at their store normal Marlboros they're paying a tax on them and it's a hefty tax if people are using a vaporizer e-cigarettes they're not paying a tax so the idea is why not have that be a uniform tax and those are areas where the legislature has already said we want to tax this um, and so we're going to spread it broadly over everybody who does this service. Okay. So those are the areas, those are that's, the, the satellite tax thing is going to be. Well, that's, that's one that they're going to have to dicker over. Um, the reason why it's hard to answer is you have the water bill and you have the health care bill and both of those in the house and the senate have different taxes and funding mechanisms attached so 
honest to God, what you're going to wind up with is a big soup pot at the end with about 1,900 cooks around it, all figuring out the exact mix of revenue to fund those very, very large priorities. So the governor, if you remember, made his state of the state all about cleaning up the waters of the state. Yeah. Not, not just Lake Champlain, but Connecticut River and the lakes and all the other uh, waterways that we enjoy and that we base our tourist economy on. Those have to be cleaned up. And I'm a firm believer that everybody should be paying in because many hands makes light work. We can, we can tax people uh, far less if everybody's paying a little bit rather than having a few people pay a lot. So there's that priority. There's the priority of trying to uh, fund primary care and things like that, the cost shift for Medicaid, and, uh, and then, you know, closing our budget gap. So mm -hmm. anybody who says right now that they know what the precise outcome of that whole three-way dance is going to be is, is a crazy man. Do you think there's any chance that the payroll tax comes back into play here? No, I don't. I mean, the governor uh, made a last-minute play for that and, you know, pulled members of the Senate and the House into his ceremonial office and made, made his best case. It's just never gotten any traction, honestly, that I've been able to see. Um, but I, you know, I, I give him credit for coming forward with a plan to uh, deal with the cost shift and, and some of the structural deficits that we have. Any question in your mind that there will be a lake bill with not yet to be known funding? No. No, that's, it's a very, very solid priority for the House and the Senate and the governor. So, you know, that's, that's one you're not going to go home without. Okay. I didn't ask the question the right way, but oh. I think you answered it. You, I, I think I'm clear from your answer. You're not going to leave here right. without a lake bill, but right. you don't know how it's going to be funded. Yeah, exactly. What's your feeling about how to fund it? Um, you know, I think our Natural Resources Committee and our Ag Committee have been working together. Now finance has gotten into the picture. Yeah. And the Ag Committee came out with a per-parcel fee, a small per-parcel fee. So for everybody who's a, a property owner, they were going to pay a small amount. What the uh, Natural Resources Committee wanted to do was attach it more broadly to some of the other places where the pollution comes from. So a uh, impervious surface tax, you know, so if you've got a huge expansive parking lot and the runoff from that is going to the lake, you'd pay a little bit for that. So I think, you know, I, call me Pollyanna. I tend to think that the process works. I think we'll wind up with something that includes ideas from ag, includes those uh, tie-ins that the ag committee wants to do. Or I'm sorry, the Natural Resources Committee wants to do. And then finance will figure out how to take that, drop it into what they're doing with closing the budget gap and also funding uh, cost shift and other things. And we'll wind up with uh, a way to get out of here. I, I like to use uh, crazy metaphors with you. So, so Wait on me. Here it is. I, I think of this as the chemotherapy session seems like everything we're doing this year, nobody likes doing. There aren't a lot of feel-good bills, but everybody has the distinct, strong sense that these big bills are very necessary. It's just, it's really hard. They feel like 
medicine. Uh, they don't feel like something where you want to queue up the soundtrack and go celebrate. But I think when we're done, we will have substantially paid down a cleanup of our waters. We'll have addressed some of the problems in the healthcare system, although not all. And we will have balanced our budget against huge odds, which uh, we've had to do a number of years in a row now. And all of that's hard work, but, but again, we'll be healthier on the other side. Do you think, um, to, I'll use your analogy here, right. do, do you think in the eyes of the taxpayers that the legislature has lost enough weight? Um, well, put it this way, in terms of revenue, we're going to raise, it looks like about $35 million. Um, in new, and, new revenue. In okay. new revenue. Yeah. Then it may be that the water bill adds to that total. But when you look at what we're going to close in terms of the budget gap, the vast majority of that is in the form of cuts. Now, I've been here five years. We've cut, I think my first year, we had $70 million in cuts. The next year, we had 20 or $30 million in cuts. We, we have cut, for the most part, to close those budget gaps. And if you look at, uh, you know, the staffing at the various agencies, the Agency of Education, the Agriculture Department, all the places that um, I have some familiarity with from my committee work, they've really been shrunk down to uh, a shadow of their former selves. Hopefully they're strong enough to perform their missions always, but you know they haven't been getting new positions and it's become sort of a joke that anyone would suggest. Now in this Ed Bill that we passed yesterday, there was one position for the Ed Department to help with this statewide uh, district consolidation that is going to save us, hopefully, substantial money. One position. So that position was argued over, thought through, and finally everybody sort of narrowed an eye at it and passed it. But that was a single person at it. Mm -hmm. um, the norm is now, you know, in terms of the state workers, they may be rift 50 of those workers. That's that's become the reality. Adding jobs is not the reality of state government for the last few years. So I hope people at home uh, are aware of that. But these aren't, you know, let's make sure we're clear here. I mean, these aren't, these are decreases to increases in the budget. So what is the explanation you can give to people? Yep. What's sucking up all the money here? Okay. You can't really reduce it to two words, but, but you know, we're on limited time here. So I'll give you two words. Medicaid. Healthcare. Okay. Um, so if you're one word, I knew. That, <laughs> if you're on your uh, school board, you're on your city council or select board. Even if you're running a, a business, you you know this to be true. When you sit down with your budget and you look at what is eating up all your funds, but what the trend is in terms of eating up more of your funds, far and away, it's healthcare. And you know when you look at our. Uh, our school costs. Healthcare is a huge part of that. So at one point we were talking about single payer as an attempt to try to address that problem and bring that cost curve down, reduce that and get us back to a place where we weren't having 15% growth in our healthcare costs every year. Now the governor pulled the plug on that effort and that's a reality that we're going to have to deal with. The Affordable Care Act has greatly reduced the number of uninsured people in the state, but it has not, at least 
visibly, it has not been able in our state to bring that cost curve down. Nationally, I think you see the trend going down in, in growth, mm -hmm. and that's to the good. But there's nothing that you can do right at this moment that will allow you to slash healthcare for all of those people. And that's really what you would need to do in order to not have growth in, in the budget. So property taxes go up, we understand that. People are mad about that, we understand that. Our choice is, do you stop providing healthcare? Do you uh, stop providing LIHEAP? All of those uh, services you don't wanna stop doing. So what we've been trying to do is thread the needle each session, providing those, trying our best to bend curves in the long term, but it, it obviously it hasn't been enough to allow people to look at it and say our costs in health care are trending down dramatically. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and continue our discussion with Senator Philip Baruth. He's the Senate Majority Leader. 244-1777. Toll free 877-291-8255. Back after this. Borns Energy wants to help you burn less heating fuel, and spring is a perfect time to evaluate your heating system and what you spent to feed it. Borns sells, installs, and services efficient heating and cooling equipment. Don't forget to check out the rebates, tax credits, and financing available for your upgrade. Call Borns today and get a real person on the phone and the information you need. Borns Energy, fueling the future in Morrisville, Waterbury, Lindenville, Waitsfield, Swanton, and Montpelier. Borns Energy. Call Borns Energy. Attention Vermont residents. Since 2004, Lamoille Valley Ford has proudly provided free scheduled maintenance to all active military, National Guard, and Reserve as our way of saying thanks. While our commitment to the military is ongoing, in each quarter of this year, Lamoille Valley Ford will also recognize some of our hometown heroes. During the months of April, May, and June, Lamoille Valley Ford would like to recognize and say thanks to all school teachers. Teachers are not just educators to our children. They are mentors, coaches, and counselors, and we are grateful for their unselfish commitment. So to all school teachers, through the end of June, no matter what brand vehicle you drive or where you bought it, Lamoille Valley Ford will provide you with your next oil change, tire rotation, state inspection, brake inspection, and more at no cost to you and with no strings attached. Call today for an appointment or drive Route 14, 15, or 16 to Lamoille Valley Ford in Hardwick. At Lamoille Valley Ford, we know our teachers matter. It's no secret Mahiran Supermarket is a great place to shop. I'm Tom Mahiran. For over seven decades, Mahirans has been catering to the needs of the Mad River Valley and beyond. We have custom-cut meats, fresh produce and seafood, regular and organic grocery, locally produced foods galore, topped off by an extraordinary wine and beer department and a state liquor agency. Shop Mahirans Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center, Waitsfield. It's that time of the year again, and the Country Club of Barrie is gearing up for a great 2015 season. Before you know it, you'll be hitting straight drives and sinking long putts. Join now and maximize your spring and summer. There's a membership level to fit any budget. Golf is a great family activity, too. Kids under 14 play for free with a member. So get off the couch and get on the course. Country Club of Barrie, a course you'll never forget. See it at ccofbarrie.com. 
If you're looking for the perfect gift for mom, then make a taste of the North Farm Market your first stop. Choose from mom's favorites, geraniums, $4 for the 4-inch size, and primroses, only $3 for the 4-inch size. White hanging baskets are 2 for $48. You save $4. Taste of the North also has herbs for her garden, beautiful pottery, and handcrafted outdoor furniture. Stop in today, sign up for door prices, and see the area's best selection of fresh produce taste of the north farm market right there on the berry montpelier road all right back continuing our discussion we've been talking with the senate majority leader senator philip ruth at chittenden county you can join us at 244-1777 toll free 877-291-8255 all right if 2015 is the chemotherapy what's uh, 2016 is that radiation no, I, actually, I think when we show up in the building next year, and, and again, call me Pollyanna, I think looking at the, the <clears throat> revenues that have been coming in in the last couple of months and the projections, I think compared to this year, it's going to seem much better. Um, and that's not to say we won't have any to make up, that we won't have any shortfall in the tax situation. You know, people have to understand this year we were looking at 113 to 120 million dollars. And that just stops all discussion. There, there is no new program that will be approved. There are no hires except those that pay much more than, than, uh, you would pay out in savings. So that one position at the Department of Education, we're hoping will bring in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in savings with these district consolidations. So next year, uh, we will have done the heavy lifting on the lake bill, uh, I'm sorry, the water bill, and we will be able to, at that point, have a structure that is going forward with cleanup of the state's waterways. We'll have done a little bit of that spade work on primary care and the cost shift. So I'm hoping that the structures we're putting in place and the fact that we are balancing the budget now with an eye toward not having this problem next year, I'm, I'm hoping everything will look brighter when we come in in January. Why do you think it's going to be any better next year? I mean, the, the trend lines in spending, in the general fund at least, don't seem to be where you want to be. I mean, well, I, I, would, I would say Steve Klein, I think a couple of months ago, was saying that he projected next year we would have a $40 million deficit. Now that would be down. Fr that would be a third of this year's deficit. So right. that's to the good. Yep. Number one, but the last revenue forecast that came in, all the categories were up, and they're usually up in April because it's when people pay their taxes. Yeah. But it was up over even that. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the national economy, we're also we just had a great jobs report come out. The recovery is is really proceeding apace. So we're going to hit a point where we're going to be pleasantly surprised and you know everybody was very unpleasantly surprised this year i have a feeling when we come in in uh january not again that we won't be looking at any problems or that we'll be able to uh skip off into the sunset but i think compared to this year our our work will have put us in a much much better place maybe put those on here we're gonna take a call from uh callus uh rod good morning how are you today good mark how are you I'm good, thanks. I have a question about the health care cost issue for your guest. And the question is uh, related to Vermont state employees and teachers. And 
are they all on the same health care program that all the rest of us in Vermont are on? There was some talk that they aren't and that there might be some substantial cost savings right. if they were. Or that there might be a penalty or a sort of a, right. a hit coming down the road here. Yeah, let me right. have, let me have uh, the senator comment on that. Thank you. Uh, it's a great question. It's Rod, right? Yes, go ahead. Uh, great question, and, and one I can't really answer except to say that they are not on the same plan. Uh, you know, we, we have Vermont Health Connect. That's our version of the Affordable Care Act. And there was talk about having everybody move on to that plan. The state workers, I think, are very happy with their plan. And, in fact, there was a uh, suggestion made by Senator Polina not too long ago, the beginning of the session, to see whether everybody might be able to move on to a plan like the state workers' plan. Um, all I can tell you is that in the wake of the governor's decision not to move forward with his single-payer initiative, we're still in the process of trying to figure out what makes sense for everybody. And that, that means people who don't have insurance as well as the many pools of people who do. Mark mentioned that uh, there's something called the Cadillac tax that's coming down the road. That's a part of the Affordable Care Act at the federal level. And what it says is if your plan is very, very generous, you're actually going to be taxed uh, a, not even a small amount of money, a relatively uh, large amount of money for a group. You're going to be taxed for having benefits over what the Affordable Care Act uh, mandates. And that's, again, it's, it's trying to, at the federal level, in thinking about how they wanted Americans to be receiving their health care, they were thinking about if people have a Cadillac plan, as they called it, where they don't have as much skin in the game, doesn't cost them anything to go to the doctor, and you have fee-for-service, then you're going to have a lot of unnecessary doctor visits. So the idea was to incentivize people to put in a little more for their co-pays, et cetera, so that they think when they go to the doctor. Now, the people who have those so-called Cadillac plans, they spent decades in collective bargaining trying to make those plans as, as good as possible, and they forego, when they do that bargaining, they forego salary increases to get better health care plans. Now state workers and and also uh school officials and teachers that are on those plans they're in this strange position where having spent decades trying to negotiate a very good health care plan they're going to be taxed on that and they you know for years they forewent possible salary increases as a result so it's incredibly complicated but your question is a question that's on all of our minds is there an elegant solution to getting everybody onto a cheaper, more efficient system. Thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Mark. Senator Philip Baruth is the Senate Majority Leader. We'll take a break here for news. We'll check in with our White House crew to begin hour number two. Uh, the governor joins us next hour, as well as the Senate Minority Leader, Joe Benning. Uh, news coming your way next. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren, broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush, FM 96.5 in Berry and Montpelier, and AM 550 WDEV Waterbury, Montpelier. The unemployment rate is down to 5.4%, and employers added 223,000 jobs last month. Diane Swank is the chief economist.